this morning. We're going to continue on with Galatians, and um, let's just begin with a word of prayer. Um, I, I need it this morning. I'm going to just let you know that this, this message this morning is one that has been difficult for me in, in working through this last week. And um, I don't, as, as your pastor, I don't stand up here as the final authority or the final word. I am going to allow the word of God to speak for itself, um, which is one of the best things that I can do. Um, I recognize in this, when we come to passages like this, I recognize that there are people that I, in my, own, in my own life, who I love very dearly, who come to passages like this and actually look at them a little bit differently, and they have different approaches. And I love them the same. Um, but I'm going to do my very best to allow God to speak through his word. It's his word. It's not mine. And I will do my best as your pastor to faithfully proclaim what God says. So um, let's, let's just go to prayer right now. Lord, we, we come to you. And I recognize uh, my own human inadequacy. I recognize um, that there are things that I myself don't understand. Um, and and that's, that's okay. I am okay with that. I am not God, you are. There are things that only you understand. But Lord, you have given us your word. You have re- it's, it's your revealed word to us. And as a pastor, I want to be faithful to that. So Lord, my request as I've been praying this week, may I not say more than what I need to say. And may I not say less than what I need to say. But may I be faithful to say that which I am to say that which you have clearly revealed to us. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You've probably seen uh, crazy laws. Um, I've, I've been exposed to these before. I was even this last week thinking, are these, are these, ev- are they serious? Are, are, is this, I mean, is this, is this just made up? I, I think that they really are crazy laws that are on the record from a long time ago, and no one ever changed it, um, state laws. No one ever changed these state laws, and so they're kind of still in existence, and of course, no one ever really abides by these laws anymore. Some laws such as this, bingo games cannot last more than five hours. Did you know that? Did you even care about that? Bingo games cannot last more than five hours. That would be in North Carolina. North Carolina has a law that says bingo games are not supposed to last more than five hours. Or there's this one. Bear wrestling matches are prohibited. Did you know that bear wrestling matches are prohibited? And did you care that bear wrestling matches are prohibited? Where is that at? Alabama. This last week, I had to even go online and ask the question, are bears even in Alabama? Yes, they are. They're increasingly becoming more prominent in Alabama. There's more and more bears in Alabama. I think it's because of rules like this that they're migrating there. Or um, in Juneau, flamingo owners are prohibited from bringing their pet into a barbershop. What? you got to be kidding me. So what I want to know is who's the guy that brought his flamingo into the barbershop to begin with? 
because you know that a law is only in existence because someone broke the law or gave you a reason to create the law. And some barbershop owner said, no more pink flamingos in the barbershop. I've had enough. That's in, you, you know, Alaska. Or this one, it's against the law to honk a car horn at a sandwich shop after 9 p.m. Hey, honey, it's 8.59. I'm going to do it again. Honk, honk. Or that's, oh, of course, Arkansas. <laughs> It's illegal to race horses on the highway. That's Rhode Island. Years ago, that probably made a bit more sense, maybe. Not anymore. Or this one. Marriage between cousins is against the law if younger than 65. (laughs) Hey, if you're over 65, it's all right. You can go for it. Under 65, going to nix that one. Where is that? Oh, yeah, of course, Utah. (laughs) All right. And the last one, it's illegal to have a sleeping donkey in your bathtub after 7 p.m. That's the craziest of them all. It's illegal to have... (laughs) Yeah, it's only 6 o'clock, so we're okay. We can do it. Let the donkey sleep in the bathtub. What? Where is that at? Good old Oklahoma! (laughs) All right, laws. Um, These laws were probably put into effect at one point and probably at one point even made a bit more sense than than they do now. Laws, rules. Um, You know what? Laws and rules are, are not bad, are they? I'm okay with laws and rules. Matter of fact, I kind of like them. Um, yesterday, did I bring it up here? Yesterday, I, yeah. Yesterday, I installed a toilet. I've been telling you guys, I've had since I've been here, I've had my toilet overflow two different times. The last time was, what, just a month or two ago, and I had standing water up, upstairs, you know? So I, I replaced the toilet finally. Um, technically, these are laws. Now, men, a lot of times, we're the ones that we say, forget it, I don't need this. On the other hand, for me, I, I tend to be one of those guys, I'm not a plumber, okay? So I'm, I'm the kind of guy that, and you know what? The parts have all changed. They, they really have. I opened up the tank, and I was like, I've never seen anything like that before. That's incredible. I don't even know how this works. You know, and it's the one flush and the two flush and, and all of that. I was, so I was like, I'm following this thing. You know, these are, these are laws. These are rules. That's okay. You have a family. If you're, if you're part of a family, of course you're part of a family. That's how we're here. You know, if we're in a family, we've got rules. We've got laws. We're okay with that. It, it makes things better. When I was at Multnomah, um, the very first year, we were, it was the late 90s, and we felt as though there was tons of rules that we did not like. And isn't that true? Every generation would say that because the generation before us, 
that was there like in the 60s and 70s, they say, you guys know nothing about rules. You want to know what rules were? We had rules on us. Those were the rules, okay? Well, I'm getting in that next camp because I look at Multnomah now, and all the rules that I had, they're all gone. And so I would go and say, hey, you guys know nothing about rules. We had the rules. We had rules like in the cafeteria, you were not allowed to throw a napkin at each other. It was like, tempt me, make me. Now I want to throw a napkin. I wasn't even thinking about that. Now I want to throw a napkin, you know, or in the dormitory, in the men's dormitory, because it was old. There was these pipes and it was, the rule was you cannot touch the pipe. Well, now I really want to touch the pipe because you said, don't touch the pipe. And it was just within reach. It was like, now I really want to. Those are rules that we had a hard time with. There was rules back then about curfew. We had to be in at 1 a.m. in the morning. Now, that's pretty gracious, I, I feel. Now, there's, there's no curfew. It's just you are an adult. You do as you need to do, okay? But it was 1 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the morning. I think it was 5 o'clock in the morning is, was like you're supposed to be in. Now, I say every generation is different because... You go back in time, and it was like 10 o'clock, quiet. You're to be quiet. You can be in your dormitory room, studying with your light on, and that's it. Whisper. So rules always change. For me, as a freshman, I remember I was, me and a buddy from Boise, Idaho, we were, um, we, we took on a youth ministry, a youth group in, um, just in Portland, uh, like 50th. Um, and uh, 50, I forget the cross section, but honestly, it was a terrible part of town. Took on a youth group. We had an event on a Saturday. We were supposed to have the pastor come by from the church, come by and pick us up before five o'clock. And we were the freshmen. We never thought about this. We were like, we have to get out of here. We we went out to leave, and we realized right before we hit the, the panic bar, we thought, if we open it up, the alarm's going to go off, and we're going to get ourselves in trouble, and we're going to get what was called a campus. We would probably get five hours of service, of community service, and, and we were like, we can't do this, and so we stopped. We're like, what are we going to do? We're like, well, we got to sneak out the window, so we go open up a door Saturday morning, open up a door of a buddy of ours who was on the bottom floor. We were on the second floor go on the, on the bottom floor, sneak out, and we are sneaking through the campus at Multnomah Bible College back then, hiding in bushes because we had security guards who were on duty at all times. They're always on duty. And we're sneaking around, and we went to the front of Multnomah on 82nd and Gleason there, and, and we're hiding in the bushes waiting for our pastor to show up. And as soon as he came in, with his minivan, he pulls in the driveway and we ran out as fast as we could. We're like, stop! Like, stop! And we get in the car and we jump in and we close it. Back up and take off! And he's like, okay, okay, we'll explain later. We're like, we're like, there's a reason for this. We're not supposed to be out right now. We're going to get ourselves in trouble. And it was all for ministry. We're all doing this for ministry. And here I am now as a pastor. And it was funny because we got back later that evening 
And we went to the cafeteria table and we were talking with the guys who we went through their window and they were talking about something weird happened the night in the morning. They're like, something really weird happened. I had a dream that someone came through and went through the window and we're just like sitting there smiling and chuckling, kind of like, oh really? You have a dream about that? That's funny. I wonder how that happened. (laughs) Well, rules, there are rules that we don't appreciate and then there are rules that we really do appreciate. Uh, and sometimes we just have to understand a bit more maybe why those rules are really there. Why they're there to begin with. What the purpose is. Well, we've been talking in Galatians. Paul has been causing us to talk about this. His words were, hey, I want you to understand this. Salvation is by faith. Salvation does not come to you by your observation of the Old Testament Mosaic law. You are not saved by following the Old Testament law. And he's been saying that over and over again, and I feel in some ways like as I go through this, I feel like I'm just kind of like repeating myself over and over again because that's what Paul is doing. He's repeating himself over and over again. But he's, he's having us wrestle with this. And again, I want you to keep this in mind That the context, the historical context, you've got Jews and non-Jews. Jewish people who are very used to following the Old Testament Mosaic Law. And who were really, in many ways, wanting to put these Gentile, these non-Jewish people, back under this bondage. Hey, they're to get circumcised. They are to follow these Old Testament laws. And, and Paul is saying, no, you are not going to put these believers under this law. You're not going to do this. And, and Paul is saying, and he says this a number of times in Galatians, that salvation comes by faith. And last week we looked at Abraham, who he's saying, hey, I want you to understand this. Abraham was justified. He was declared righteous. Why? Because he obeyed the Old Testament law? No. He was declared righteous because he believed. Because he had faith. Now, we're going to pick up here and continue in Galatians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, follow along. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the P rack in front of you. And you're welcome to turn along and turn with me and follow along or just simply listen. Whatever is easiest for you. Galatians chapter 3, we're going to look at, we're going to begin with verse 15. And I would like us to go through the end of the chapter here, but I'll break it up into sections like I typically do. It says this in Galatians 3 verse 15. Brothers, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. As I read, I'm going to slow down my reading just a little bit because there's a lot in these verses. And if your brain is like mine, you have to digest this slowly. Verse 16, The promises were spoken to Abraham, And to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, that is plural, meaning many people. But, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. 
What I mean is this. Need some more explanation? The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. We're going to stop there. Paul is, is causing us to think about Abraham again. He's already used Abraham as an illustration. And he's saying, hey, I want you to think about this. Abraham, he was justified before the law was ever given. Now, now for us, we today, we even need to think about this. Because sometimes we read the Old Testament and we just kind of clump it all together. He's saying, hey, hang on a second. Abraham was 430 years before the law was given at Mount Sinai. Technically speaking, it was 645 years. 645 years before. You look at the Abrahamic covenants, and there was three that were given to Abraham, that God gave to Abraham. You look at the last time that this Abrahamic covenant was given. 430 years exactly went by until God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. And and so Paul is drawing reference to that. Hey, could could Abraham been justified? Justified means declared righteous. Could Abraham have been justified, declared righteous, by observing the law? No. He couldn't have been. The law wasn't even in existence. It wasn't even in existence. So he couldn't have been justified by this. And then, and then Paul talks about the seed of Abraham. But I like how he notes that this is seed singular, not plural. Not seeds as in many people, but seed. And he helps us out, doesn't he? By saying, and the seed is Jesus. Jesus is the seed. Jesus is the one who would come. Jesus is the promise. Jesus was promised from long ago. You even go back further. You go back to just after the fall of mankind. And you see God's promise of a seed, Jesus being given. Jesus coming. The the need for a Savior, you see this. And Paul is, is causing us to think about this, that the promise is referring to Jesus. Jesus is going to come. So let's read on because a really good question is asked here in verse 19. Paul says, what then was the purpose of the law? Man, what an excellent question. What an excellent question to ask. What then was the purpose of the law? You ready for Paul's answer? Because he just, flat, he just answers it. He just tackles it straight on. He says this, it was added because of transgressions. Until the seed, Christ, to whom the promise referred had come. 
the law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. Stop there. I love those, I love those verses. Those are good, deep verses. So Paul is asking this question. If I am not justified by observing the law, if you are not justified by observing the law, then why the law? Why the law? Well, I think that that Paul's answer is, he's saying, hey, the law was given because we're lawbreakers. The law was given because we need the law. And and the law is given to reveal Christ. The law was given to lead us to Jesus. To lead people. To reveal their need for a Messiah. To reveal their need for a Savior. We need this. It was given because we are lawbreakers. When I was a youth pastor... Uh, for years, we would we did retreats, had a number of retreat, retreats every year, and on those retreats, um, I would oftentimes gather everyone together on Friday evening and welcome them, and then I would say to them, "Hey, guys, you need to stay out of the girls' wing. Don't go in there, girls. You need to stay out of the guys' wing." Don't go in there. That is their safe place for them to be. And guys and girls, don't go in the cook's quarters. That is for them. Stay out of there. And, and then I would also say, and you need to make sure that you don't wander off by yourself. Stay with the group. I'm in charge of you. I don't want you just wandering off. Now, Technically speaking, I was giving them law right there, wasn't I? I was saying, here's a couple ground rules. I would usually try to be creative and I would say, I'm not going to give you rules this weekend, even though I just did. I'm not going to give you rules this weekend. But I would say, if I have need to give you more, I will. If it becomes apparent that there are problems, trust me, I'm going to create a rule. Now, in my 17 years as a youth pastor, all but a few, couple, hand, very small hand, like just a couple retreats, usually we were good. 
I was, I was so impressed by the students that we had where, hey, they would usually kind of help hold each other accountable. Hey, knock it off. If you do that, Pastor Nate's going to make a rule. Don't do that. It was, you know, like, like it was, they were, they were helping hold each other accountable. There was a couple years there where I had some really tough junior high boys. But apart from that, it was usually like we were okay. But even that, we were okay because they were good students who already had an understanding of right and wrong. They had been taught right and wrong. Why the law? Why is the law given? Because we break the law. Because we, by nature, go against everything that God is. All that he is. The law also reveals to us who God is. How perfect he is. How holy he is. How I am not. How I cannot measure up. How I cannot keep the whole law. Titus reminds us, whoever stumbles in just even one point is guilty of breaking all of it. We are reminded through the law that we need a savior. The law was never intended to be the savior. Jesus is a Savior. The law points people to the Savior. That has been God's plan from the beginning. And it's always been about faith. That is his plan. Let's read on. Verse 26. You are all sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ. Sorry. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And get this. Heirs according to the promise. You and I are children of Abraham. We, if that is, if we are in Christ. If we are in Christ, then we are heirs to the promise that was given to Abraham. Abraham, through you, All the nations will be blessed. That's not just Jewish people. That's Jews and non-Jews. Everyone. Through you, all of the world will be blessed. Every nation will be blessed. We are the recipient of this. And because of our relationship to Christ, not to law, because of our relationship to Christ... We are part of this promise. We are heirs in this promise. We are part of the promise that was given to Abraham. And guess what? This promise is for all of us. Why? Because in Christ, we are unified. 
There is no distinction. These things that usually distinguish us. Three examples given. Jew versus non-Jew. Or some translations will say Jew or Gentile or Jew and Greek. Done. Gone away with. No longer distinction. Is Paul saying, well, there is just no such thing as ethnicity. No, he's not going that far to say that. But he's saying, this is no longer any kind of barrier. There's no kind of barrier here. If you are in Christ, then you are one. Slave. Free. Looking at social class. Things that we measure by. Done. Gone. If you are in Christ, we are one. Male. Female. Done. If you are in Christ, we are one. Now we are brothers and sisters. The things that we mark, that we distinguish people by, if we are in Christ, we are one. And we are all part of this promise. Now, I recognize, as Paul does, that there are roles Paul doesn't ever say, hey, you just throw it all out completely. No, and if you look at Paul's other writings, you understand that he says, hey, there, there are roles for people, and he understands this, but he says, you need to understand this as a foundational truth. At the foot of the cross, we are all equal. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been, we, we are one in Christ. And we recognize this. And this is the message that Paul is wanting to communicate with us. We are one. If we are in Christ, we partake in the promise given way back years ago to Abraham. That's incredible. That you and I, living in the year 2019, can partake of a promise given to Abraham years and years ago. We can have that promise because of our faith in Jesus. Abraham, justified. Why? Because of his faith. You and me, Justified. Why? Because of our faith. Our faith in who? Our faith in Jesus. That is what justifies us. That is what declares us righteous. That is what declares us right with God. And that makes us all one. Do you continue to hear the message of Galatians? It's faith. It is faith in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Do you want everything? I want everything that God has for me. It's found in Jesus. Salvation is a gift. A gift in itself implies no strings attached. If I was to work for a gift, that's not a gift. 
that's an obligation. And if I am going to work for my salvation, then God technically is obligated to give me salvation. But that is not how God works. God's gift of salvation is free. It is not based on my merit. It is not based on what I do. It is not based on what you do. It is a gift given to us. I'm reminded of the truth. In John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever would believe in him. Any person, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they've come from, regardless of social class, regardless of gender, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of anything that we might use to distinguish. Salvation is a gift. A gift that is freely given. And when we receive that gift, we are part of a promise. The promise that God has had from the beginning of time. And I'm telling you, God's promise and God's plan is a beautiful promise. So Paul asks that question today that we see here. So why the law? The law was given because Christ had not yet come. The law was given because we are, because of transgressions, because we are lawbreakers. The law was given to point us to Christ. The law was given to be our guardian, our schoolmaster, our teacher, our tutor. But now that Christ has come, as it says in verse 25, now that Christ has come, We are no longer under the supervision of the law. Those are good good words. I don't know if we even understand how good those words are. Is the law bad? Absolutely not. The law is necessary. But salvation is not found there. So don't go look into the law to find salvation. The law will simply reveal our need for the Savior. That's why the law was given. Salvation is found in Jesus. We look back to him. Salvation has always had its object as God, the giver. Salvation has always been because of our faith. Believing God and what he has said. Believing God, taking him at his word. Has always been that way and it always will be that way. Have you been declared righteous? Are you declared righteous? I I hope, I trust that you are. If you have not been declared righteous, it's simple. Confess your sin. Confess that you yourself break the law. Believe in Jesus who has come. He died on the cross for our sin. He was buried. He rose from the grave three days later. 
Life is found in him. This is a simple message of the gospel. This is what Paul reminded us in chapter 1 to keep in the forefront. To keep central. To not, to not be swayed by false doctrine or false gospels. But to keep this gospel message. Christ died, was buried, rose again. Salvation is found in him. If you don't know if you're a believer, put your faith in Jesus today. Come to faith in Jesus. Follow him. Give him your life. Surrender your life. Will you be perfect? Absolutely not. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But allow God to declare you righteous because of your faith in Jesus. That's why he came. I trust that you know him. God, I thank you. Thank you for this passage of scripture where Paul wrestles with the law. We know that we are not saved by the law. But then his question of why the law, I thank you for his answers. I thank you that it points us to Christ. I thank you for Jesus, for the gift of salvation that we have. Lord, as believers, I trust that we would rejoice in knowing that our sin is not counted against us because we have placed our faith in Jesus. I thank you for that. It is in your name we pray. Amen.